Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Eco Chic. My name is Laura Diaz. It is so nice to have you here today. Today's episode is a little investigative, a little gossipy, dare I say. I have been really trying to push myself to think about creative episode ideas because this show has been running a long time and I feel like we have so many great guests and we've covered so, so many great topics in the past that this is my opportunity to kind of dive deeper into topics that I've always wondered about and that I know that y'all really appreciate. So the most recent example of one of these deeper dive thesis style episodes was two weeks ago on the evolution of the it bag. I really enjoyed that episode because I included some great sound bites, really fun history of different bags, and then we pivoted into a more introspective, what does it mean to buy something just for the sake of a buying from that brand? What is stuff for status? So I really enjoyed that episode, and today's episode was actually sparked by a conversation that I was having on TikTok. The video I shared was surrounding bottled water. I was in the Bahamas for work a couple of weeks ago, and I was drinking from a lot of plastic water bottles. Everyone in that area, everyone who lived in the Bahamas or lived in the islands that I was working with and meeting with one-on-one, everyone was like, you have got to drink out of bottled water. And I like to travel with a reusable bottle if I can. I like to refill when I can from the tap. And it really got me thinking about what an incredible privilege it is for me to assume my tap water will be safe. A lot of the subsequent conversations I had were, of course, around tap water and the privilege of being able to trust my tap water, but a lot of folks don't. A lot of folks do not drink out of their tap, even in the U.S., and it got me thinking a lot about bottled water. I feel like the most obvious city in America that we're all thinking of right now is Flint, Michigan, where citizens have been fighting for safe drinking water for almost 10 years now, and I feel like this is an awesome place to share that for the next book club episode, we will be reading along with my friend Nadia. She is VME Queen on Instagram and on TikTok, and she is fabulous. She is brilliant. She's a biomedical engineer and does these really great deep dive videos on sustainability topics. We will be reading Poisoned Water, How the Citizens of Flint, Michigan Fought for Their Lives and Warned the Nation, by Candy J. Cooper and Mark Aronson. I'm going to go ahead and link this book in the show notes so you can pick it up, read the description, and I hope read along with us. That book club episode will come out towards the end of July, I believe. But because we are going to be talking about cities more in depth in the future, I want this episode to really focus actually on the bottled water companies because I feel like that is probably where the gossip lies, where the juice is, and I feel like this is a really interesting deep dive. Once I started going down this rabbit hole, I truly could not stop. I'll take a moment to pause and also remind you if you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend, post it on your Instagram story, make sure that you're following the pod wherever you're listening today, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you like to tune in so you never miss an episode. Episodes come out every single Friday, and all of my social links are in the show notes if you ever want to get in touch. 
quickly, let's pivot into what bottled water is sold as. There are two primary labels that we find on bottled water, and that is public water source, PWS, or bottled at the source. So this is a really interesting distinction. Public water source quite literally means tap water. A good example of this is Aquafina brand tap water, and it does say PWS on the bottle. Again, that just means, frankly, tap water that has been bottled. The biggest problem in the bottled water industry, I suppose, involves bottled at the source bottles. About a third of bottled waters in the U.S. are labeled bottled at the source. Usually, if a bottle is labeled bottled at the source, that means that the water bottling plant is drawn or located from places where water flows naturally at some land surface. This means, of course, there's a lot of talk around how bottled water companies are extracting groundwater, extracting a natural resource to sell, so a free resource that is being profited off of. And these bottled water companies, of course, attract a lot of attention for draining natural waterways and really impacting flows of water and availability of water in areas where it should be abundant and available to all. I feel like this is actually a really great example of a tragedy of the commons. I know there is a lot of mixed messaging right now around the theory of tragedy of the commons because it does assume that everything that people do is for profit or that humans are largely motivated by profit. But if you're not familiar with the tragedy of the commons, it is this theory in environmental science that generally speaks to overconsumption of a natural resource. A tragedy of the commons is a situation where individuals have access to some public resource or a common and they act in their own self-interest, ultimately depleting the resource. I feel like the example that's usually given in environmental science classes with this is some sort of pond and fishermen come in and overfish the pond and there's no fish left in the area. That, of course, like I said, there's a lot of controversy around it because it is a topic that's pretty actively taught in schools. It's currently still part of the AP environmental science curriculum. It's something that we believed to be a very core part of environmental science, but it's really problematic because it assumes that everyone profits off of their own self-interest or that people do not have community-oriented interests, especially, again, in the case of some sort of common pool resource. And this is, frankly, not true all the time. But I think that bottled water companies is actually a really great example, and I hope that this is an example that we can start adopting more and more as a good example of a tragedy of the commons because it is definitely a situation where there's a lot of players in the game. There's huge money here, but it's really difficult to control what this common pool resource, what these natural waterways are really entailing. Who has the right to a natural waterway? Very introspective moment for us here. Quick break to tell you about HelloFresh. HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. It makes home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. HelloFresh now has 30 dinner recipes to choose from every single week. That's the most of any meal kit. And I love, personally, their little recipe cards. It feels like the recipes are foolproof. There are step-by-step -step instructions, which means a joyful cooking experience and a stress-free summer. Plus, HelloFresh cuts back on the time spent in the kitchen with meals ready in around 30 minutes or less. 
I really like HelloFresh for times that I'm traveling because I feel like it is so easy to personalize my meals, change my delivery dates, customize my meals how I see fit for that week. And especially if I'm home for only a few days at a time, it's kind of annoying to go to the grocery store to get items for entire meals and full-on recipes. So HelloFresh helps me cut back on waste, helps me save time, and I always know that I am eating something farm fresh. I feel like it's also really fun for a group. I like to get sandwich recipes as well and just have my girlfriends over on a Saturday afternoon after we've all kind of run our morning errands. And it is a fun way for us to get together and cook and have a relaxing summer afternoon on the porch. It's fast, it's easy, it's delicious every single time, and I know you've heard about it before, so this is your sign to try out HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash EcoChic16 and use code EcoChic16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash EcoChic16 and use code EcoChic16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. I'd also like to tell you about Haya Children's Vitamins. Most children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise. They can be filled with two teaspoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, gummy junk that kids really don't need to be eating. And that's why Haya was created. It's a pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin. Haya is made from a blend of 12 farm-fresh fruits and vegetables, and again, supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals known to help support a healthy immune system, energy levels, brain function, mood, teeth, bones, and more. It's non-GMO, vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, nut-free, everything else that you can imagine, everything you've ever wanted in a kid's vitamin. Haya fills the most common gaps in modern children's diets to help provide a full-body nourishment solution our kids need with a yummy taste they love. And I love a delivery schedule that just makes your life a little bit easier. Haya arrives straight to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. Your first month comes with a reusable glass bottle that your kids can personalize with stickers, and then every month thereafter, Haya sends no plastic refill pouches of fresh vitamins, which means that Haya isn't just good for your kids, it's good for the environment. We've worked out a special offer with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash EcoChic or enter EcoChic at checkout. That's H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash eco chic and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults full discount is applied at checkout now every good story has a villain and the villain of today's episode is nestle nestle waters north america was acquired by a private equity firm in april of 2021 and is now legally known as blue triton But for the purposes of this episode, I will probably be referring to them as Nestle because that's a brand that a lot of us know and have consumed. Nestle Waters owns 51 brands of bottled water, including Ice Mountain, Poland Springs, Zephyr Hills, Arrowhead. It's kind of crazy to understand that all of the big bottled water companies are all owned by the same company. All of these brands are bottled in different places across America. So there are some hyper-local conservation activists that are speaking out against Nestle. Very often, it is just a string of observations, anecdotal information. The land here should be greener. The creek beds are low. But it's really hard to prove that a company is changing a physical environment. I want to zoom in to a couple of little case studies. We're going to start off in my home state of Florida. There are some major conversations going on right now around bottled water facilities 
around Guinea Springs, which is right outside of Orlando in central Florida, under the brands Zephyr Hills and Nestle Pure Life. The latest numbers I could find on this specific bottling plant is that they have an annual average daily withdrawal volume of approximately 1.152 million gallons. Daily, over a million gallons. I know it's hard to follow numbers on a podcast, so I do feel for you, but let me write this out for you. 1.152 million gallons of water withdrawn every single day from a public spring for bottled water plants under the brands of Zephyr Hills or Pure Life. Over a million gallons. And of course, with this insane volume, there are some numbers and facts that we can associate with this beyond that physical anecdotal information or visuals of how the springs have changed over time. The Florida Springs Institute says that groundwater use from the Florida aquifer went up by over 400 percent between 1950 and 2010. Of course, this isn't entirely due to the bottled water plant. More people are settling in the area. More groundwater is being withdrawn. But 400 percent is a really nuts increase. And the flows from the Santa Fe River into the springs have decreased by roughly 30%. And I've said it before and I'll say it again, correlation is not causation, but there is something to say here about how much water is being withdrawn from this plant and how much this natural location can actually sustain. Now, the story is moving. Let's discuss for a sec the controversy that is very similar with the Arrowhead brand of water, again owned by Nestle. In 2017, the California State Water Resources Control Board issued a report of investigation to Nestle, concluding that the company appeared to be diverting water, quote, without a valid basis of right, end quote, from Strawberry Canyon in the San Bernardino National Forest for their bottled water plant under the brand of Arrowhead. So what does this mean? That means that the state of California recognized this bottled water plant did not have a right to be pulling as much water as it did for this very clear business purpose. What does that mean? Last year, in 2021, California water regulators issued a draft order telling Nestle, which ran the Arrowhead bottled water operation, to cease and desist taking much of the water. This is a little bit of a switch because it acknowledges that everyone has a right to this water, but they are just simply taking more than their fair share. So this is the first time that we're seeing some attempt to regulate this tragedy of the commons. Basically, the order mentions, acknowledges that the company had been diverting way more water than it actually had the right to. We got some numbers to back this up as well. Records show that about 58 million gallons flowed through this particular Nestle pipeline in the year of 2020. And then state investigators realized, concluded, decided that the company could legally only divert 2.4 million gallons. So they were taking 58 when they were legally allowed 2.4. That is 24 times more water they were pulling than they were legally allowed to. If the order is eventually approved by the state water board, Nestle would be required to immediately stop all unauthorized diversions. This is an actively developing story of Arrowhead Water in Strawberry Creek in California, actively happening case, and the most recent updates I've found have been in the Los Angeles Times, and I can link some articles down below if you'd like to keep up if Arrowhead is typically your uh, 
water vice of choice. I do want to highlight a success story because I feel like it is really intimidating to see all of these cases and all of these water bottle brands that are just taking more than their fair share. The people do win every once in a while. A Michigan court ruled in 2003 that Nestle, under their Ice Mountain brand, was solely responsible for draining the Dead River in Michigan, the Dead River watershed, from which it pulled 400 gallons per minute, 210 million gallons annually. I can't even believe I'm reading out these numbers. 210 million gallons of water from a public watershed in Michigan. This was a nine-year legal battle, ended in 2009, and Nestle agreed to really severely, drastically reduce the amount of water that it was taking, and the water levels are being monitored in real time by the state board. Now, there is someone out there that's saying, ah, Laura, they're businesses. This is the economy. I'm sure they pay some fees to operate, but this is business. Let me tell you something. Depending on the state, the application fee and the permit fees to pump groundwater could cost as little as $115, and it's a one-time fee. This $115 is the fee in Florida. So again, mentioning that Zephyr Hills brand, that Nestle Pure Life brand. In the state of California, it can be up to $2,100 per year. So yes, there are fees, but this is a billion-dollar industry, and these fees are laughable, if I may say so. Bottled water companies, or rather Nestle, the villain in this particular lens of our story, is profiting off of a virtually free resource. There are very little business operations associated with the legalities and the upkeep of this business in the public face. They're paying for the pumps, they're employing people, yes, but the actual product that they are bottling does not cost them anything. And again, it is being bottled right out of the ground. This is not water that's going through a purification process. This is not water that's being treated any special way. This is a free resource bottled from a spring. All right, that is bottled water for us lay people. Rich people simply cannot be drinking tap water, cannot be drinking groundwater. And in this chapter, I present to you the story of Fiji water. There's a lot of really interesting marketing around Fiji water and what makes it kind of branded as this elite celebrity water. And if you're interested, I encourage you to deep dive into those kind of PR marketing conversations because it's fascinating. What makes a bottled water special or for the upper class? I want to actually continue our focus here on villains in the bottled water industry because it's juicy, it's gossipy, and this is what I'm interested in. Why is this water, why is Fiji water, this elite bottled at the source water? To set the scene a little bit, Fiji is an island nation located in the South Pacific. It is a group of about 300 islands, tropical climate, fabulous atmosphere, but it is a really disjointed economic situation. Where Fiji Water, the brand, pulls their actual water is really interesting. The way that the aquifer works here is that rainfall trickles down through volcanic rock, which acts as a filter, and the rainwater is collected in an aquifer. And then Fiji Water, the brand, specifically is labeled as untouched water from this aquifer because... It is, again, naturally filtered. Any sort of bottled water plant never has any human interaction from this underwater volcanic aquifer as it goes through into the bottled water plant. 
The aquifer is located on Fiji's largest island. And this is a really juicy story. So y'all just hold on for this. Most of us could use more energy in our day, but caffeine can only do so much. At some point, we need to look at the root causes of our fatigue. It turns out that there are two main factors in low energy, chronic stress and lack of nutrition. Organifi creates a delicious superfood blend that addresses both of these problems. They use adaptogenic herbs and mushrooms to balance cortisol levels associated with stress, and they make it easier to add more nutrients into your day. You can simply mix a scoop into water or a plant-based milk of your choice and enjoy a natural boost any time of day. Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends that offer plant-based nutrition with high-quality ingredients and less than 3 grams of sugar. It is one of the easiest healthy choices you can make each day. If you want the highest quality plant-based ingredients for optimal health, go to Organifi.com and use code ECOCHIC for 15% off any item in the store. Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com and use code ECOCHIC for 15% off any item in the store. All right, into the juicy part. Fiji Water was a brand started in 1996 by a Canadian businessman, and then it was acquired in 2004 by Southern California billionaires, Linda and Stuart Resnick. They owned the Wonderful Company, so that is the Wonderful Pistachios, the Palm, Wonderful Pomegranate Juice. It comes in those little bubbly bottles. Anyway, here's the tea. In 2004, at the time that the Resnicks acquired Fiji Water, the brand, there was political turmoil in Fiji, the country, which led to a coup in 2006. By being silent and just carrying on business as usual under this newly unelected government, Fiji Water, the company, raised a lot of suspicion of being complicit with this new unelected government, all of this political turmoil that had started coming underway and coming into the public eye. This, of course, prompts the question around how Fiji water interacts with the people of Fiji. How much does Fiji water positively contribute actually to the country of Fiji, to the people of Fiji? Is it complicit for the sake of profit? Is this an ethical company? Is this a company that is carefully, thoughtfully pulling from this natural common resource that is a volcanic filtered aquifer? So keeping on with our story, once this unelected military regime came into power in Fiji, this newly established government requested that Fiji Water, the brand, increase its tax contributions to contribute more to the local economy. Originally, Fiji Water was paying just one third of a cent per liter to the government, and the new request was that they were paying 15 cents per liter in 2008. Fiji Water, which was a tax-exempt company prior to this request, I cannot believe that, responded by laying off workers. Local folks that were working at this Fiji Water plant, when the government asked them to actually pay some taxes, they said, oh God, this is impacting our business revenue. We're having to let people go as a result. So it was kind of a tit-for-tat government versus only major business in the area. And Fiji Water, the company, kept playing this game. In 2010, the government attempted to raise taxes again, but this time the Fiji Water Company closed its plant and fired all employees, primarily locals, for a day. And this was, again, a clear signal to the government that said, if we are going to be paying taxes, we just will not be employing your people. We cannot operate here. 
And again, major tit for tat. This Fiji Water Company is out here playing games with a government. Although they did come to an agreement eventually on taxes, the Fiji Water Company did have a really clear, unsavory motive, dare I say, both politically and financially. They are clearly very focused on profits, on their gains, on being self-beneficial again through this lens of a tragedy of the commons. And that's totally my speculation, but I can't imagine that anyone would argue with that. Now on the question of how are they interacting with local people beyond this, how is the aquifer being utilized as a common pool resource? Despite the presence of Fiji Water the brand, actually, 12% of the inhabitants of Fiji do not have access to clean drinking water. This is largely due to rusty pipes, an unreliable water source, and just inequities that exist on the infrastructure side. But beyond that, in 2011, this was the latest stat that I could find, unfortunately, only 47% of Fijians had access to clean drinking water. I just mentioned also again in 2018, it was reported that only 12% of the Fiji population did not have access to clean drinking water. Still a huge, huge portion of the population, but much lower than that 47% of seven years prior. So there are improvements being made to the infrastructure. There are some water equity improvements being made across the country, but it is still an absolute luxury to be able to trust your tap water, to have access to your tap water, to even have tap water in the first place, clean or not, is a huge problem across this nation. Bottled water is a huge luxury, especially in the context of Fiji water. And there is a lot of interesting glorification that happens around this company and around this brand. I found a really, really good article from the UC Irvine campus newspaper that I'm going to link in the show notes. It broke down this controversy so well, and there's more details and more numbers if you're interested in going even deeper. So the ultimate question here is, what do bottled water companies sell? The obvious answer here is plastic water bottles. Bottled water companies do not sell water so much as they sell plastic bottles. And honestly, that's true, but it ignores a major point of privilege. Bottled water companies are not selling water so much as access to safe drinking water. Nestle is our American villain. I am based in the U.S., so I want to just take a quick look at U.S. regulations here. The EPA does set legal limits for over 90 contaminants in drinking water. However, it's not like there's an EPA representative just traveling around your area, testing your tap water on a regular basis, making sure that your tap water is safe to drink. Unfortunately, it's really easy to contaminate groundwater, and there is very little national oversight again. So that means it largely falls on communities to advocate for the safety of their drinking water. I feel like this is a perfect time for me to spiral into the story of Aaron Brockovich, one of my very favorite environmental icons, champion of the largest class action lawsuit in American history surrounding drinking water in Hinkley, California. But I feel like I'm always telling the story of Aaron Brockovich. So I will link our episode with the real Aaron Brockovich in the show notes. It is so good. The thing to keep in mind through that story, through the story of the EPA, through acknowledging this minimal national oversight on drinking water is that tap water is a privilege. Safe tap water is a privilege. Being able to trust your local representatives and lean on your community in times of suspicion around your water is an absolute privilege as well. There's so many issues and holes in how the EPA regulates 
common resources like water, and it largely falls on individuals, again, conservationists acknowledging how creek beds have changed, how grass should be more lush. It largely falls on people saying, you know what, we're having some weird health issues in this neighborhood, and I think it might be linked to our tap water. There is so much community advocacy that needs to happen around safe drinking water, around what companies exist in your neighborhood, what kind of permits and fees you expect if these companies continue to operate in your areas pulling from your natural waterways. I want to leave you with that final question. What do bottled water companies sell? There is no clear answer. There is no clear solution. I feel like this is a really interesting conversation because there are so many actively happening cases around the country, like I mentioned, with different bottled water brands, many of them all owned by the same people. There is so much to unpack with this story, and I feel like consumers are just getting smarter and smarter and advocating for themselves harder and harder. I will leave us there. There are going to be so many links in the show notes if you want to dive deeper into any of these numbers or stories or case studies that I mentioned today. Thank you so, so much for hanging out with me. It has been an absolute pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, let me know. And I look forward to talking to you next week. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.